Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horat, and the Penguins are in the midst of a nice little four-day break here. They have no games between Monday of this week, which was a 3 to nothing shutout victory over the Seattle Kraken, and Saturday night at 10 p.m. when they take on the Vegas Golden Knights. After that, they'll have another Monday matchup at the Mullet, taking on the Arizona Coyotes, then another extended break as they won't play until Friday. So not a lot of hockey to be played here for the Pittsburgh Penguins as of late. For a lot. Not a lot. It's one of those breaks. I mean, <clears throat> heading into the bye week, heading into... Um, the all-star break it's all just kind of slowing things down slowing down the games all to ramp up a ton of late february and and all of march is going to be a lot of uh, a lot of game action a lot of time on ice and uh tell you what this team should rest up all they can really it's it's not gonna be an easy stretch i mean no matter who they're playing down that run of it's like every other day almost in uh Mm -hmm. in march not to mention a quite a few back-to-backs rest up while you can get healthy while you can and you know i know cal Dubas still trying to get a read on this team but really continue to get a read on this team this is a good time to do it during you know your downtime during your trips out west doing your just days off throughout the throughout the month and you know what not having many day, many many more days off left so enjoy while you can yeah, Pittsburgh Penguins president of hockey operations and general manager Kyle Dubas mentioned yesterday on the GM show with Josh Getzoff, who's a friend of the show. He said, this is when we're having our meetings, our scouting meetings, whether amateur last week they had a bunch of them, this week is pro scouting meetings. So they're trying to get a read on the land. And right now, obviously, is a time when a lot of off the ice action starts to ramp up, trade boards start to heat up, trade rumors start to heat up as it pertains to the Penguins, it seems like they might be a little bit quiet this trade season. We'll talk about that later in this episode. Also talk a little bit, speaking of amateurs, of a couple of players in the AHL that have been lighting it up over the past week. Two players that you could see in Pittsburgh sooner rather than later. But let's start it with the depth because the Pittsburgh Penguins have been searching all season. It seems like for the past couple of seasons for some consistency in the bottom six. And it looks like that has continued. You look at what the Pittsburgh Penguins have seen from the bottom six as of late. It's gone dormant on 
on the scoreboard. We've seen, obviously, Achari contributes in different ways. Jeff Carter contributes in different ways. But when it comes to putting the puck in the back of the net and scoring on the scoreboard, it's gone dormant over the last couple of weeks. Valtteri Pustinen, Lars Eller, Radim Zahorna, Noel Achari, Jeff Carter, Colin White, and Riley Smith have combined for one assist in the last five games for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Riley Smith obviously currently injured. We'll talk about that. But Horwat, with this bottom six going dormant, yes, the defensemen have started to score a little bit more. Eric Carlson on a point streak. Chris Letang seems to pick up a point almost every other game. Marcus Pedersen has started to collect some points. That's good. But how important is it for the Penguins to get that depth scoring back from the bottom six? It's been important. We saw it, you know, we saw it be a big part of the downfall last season. It's just continuing into this year. Uh, it's great to have a defensive mindset with your bottom six, but you've got to find at least a couple of guys that can you know, put the puck in the back of the net. We thought Lars Eller might be able to do that. He just seems to be a little streaky. I mean, I think there's still confidence there that he can find offense and probably is the catalyst of offense in this bottom six. But aside from that, I mean, Valtteri Pustin going cold is not ideal. It's you almost want it to. I almost want to see the Penguins deploy three offensive lines and then a shutdown fourth line because that depth scoring isn't there and something needs to sort of spread out a little bit, start playing a little more rolling four lines of offense hockey. It's just, but but that's just not the way Mike Sullivan rolls. It's not the just not the players they have. We thought maybe Drew Connor could be good for depth scoring this season, uh, and and he has been. The issue is he's playing on the second line yeah that's kind of the problem that is arising that they're getting goals from lesser not lesser names but they're getting goals from unexpected names it just so happens that they're playing in unexpected positions Uh, as for the defense i mean yeah eric carlson is starting to become more as advertised again it's just a matter it was just a matter of time before things started gaining consistency and again that power play though but you know when it comes to the depth it's something will wake up eventually you'd think or something needs to be added but the way it is the way the mindset is of the team nothing much will change uh but they need to figure out a way to find the back of the net they thought riley smith could provide it that doesn't seem to be happening especially now that he's injured until at least after the all-star break yeah. uh, it'll be tough yeah you mentioned riley smith there he's gonna travel with the team out west he's not expected to play in either of the two games that the pittsburgh penguins play against the vegas golden knights and then the arizona coyotes but he is traveling with the team which is a good thing but as kyle dubas mentioned yesterday on the gm show he's likely not going to play until after the all-star break they expect to know more later this week so it seems like he's still undergoing testing to figure out the severity of the issue and a timetable for when he could return hence the reason why he's probably with the team but also You know, I thought when I first saw that, okay, he's traveling with the team, maybe that means he can get back onto the ice in a non-contact capacity because it is an upper body injury. It is from what it looked like to be either a wrist or an elbow injury. You can skate, you can continue to keep your conditioning. That way, the process from being on the shelf to getting back into game shape is not as long. But, you know, with the the questions of he's probably out until post-All-Star break, we're not going to know more until later this week, makes it sound like he might be out for a little bit longer term more like four to five weeks than three to four weeks and and again initially we didn't get a timetable it was told to be longer term so not surprising that he's going to be out once again 
over this next weekend, but surprising that he is traveling with the team. I, I mean, that's a good sign, but again, we, we await further confirmation as to what the injury is, what a timetable is, and, and that's a blow for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I know Riley Smith has been struggling, but that ceiling is still there. A ceiling at which some of these other players that are coming up in that role don't necessarily have or haven't shown in recent years. You look at a guy like Colin White, who we'll talk about in a second. Yes, he has shown that offensive upside at the NHL level, but that was way back when he was playing with the Ottawa Senators. He hasn't shown that in recent years, whereas Riley Smith is coming off of a 26-goal season with 50-plus points. Like You expected that to be the case this year. It just hasn't been so. And now, I mean, we both saw it this morning. He wound up on... Chris Johnston of the Athletics trade list. So is he a player that could be traded? That's another question that comes into this. And especially with him being on the shelf, that complicates things as far as a timetable for when he goes on the trade targets list, when he gets onto the trade block, and if other teams are going to be calling for him. Yeah, it's welcome to silly season when it comes to names possibly being on the trade block, on the trade board, being targets for other teams because it's tough. Tis the time of year of take all of our bad players for all of your good players. Yeah. And, you know, Riley Smith appearing on a list like that makes sense. It is weird timing considering the injury, considering the fact that, um, you know, we all learned yesterday that there still hasn't necessarily been a, not, I don't want to say not a ton of progress made, but no new information, it seems, has really been uh, stated other than he's pra- traveling with the team, which normally, by the way, doesn't happen if it's a severe injury. So I'm yeah. really curious as to why um but or you know what i figured out why i'm i'm dumb they're going to play in vegas he's oh, going well, to see his that. buddies yeah and he needs to get his ring i believe so yeah so okay so we figured out why he's going there and that <laughs> uh, conspiracy theory can now be put to rest in my head yeah. that being said though it's um yeah so we don't know how long he's going to be out so the time of the trade board is going to be interesting just and just once we get up to further updates on the severity of uh, I'm assuming a wrist or an arm or something like that. From what uh, it from looked the, like, yeah. Yeah, from the way he was you know, uh, favoring it going off the ice from the hit. Um, we'll just see what happens. I think he was supposed to be a big piece of the top six, and obviously that didn't work out. Um, and this is just an unfortunate circumstance. Let's say he returns to health and sticks around, by the way. You just hope it's a Ricard Raquel effect. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what you're hoping for. You're hoping he comes back, he finds his game, because... Well, yes, it's nice that Drew O'Connor has elevated his game and has become a top six forward on this team. It'd be nice to have two guys at that level. That way, one of them you can cherry pick to play in the bottom six and maybe, just maybe, give Lars Eller a consistent line mate that brings the brings his best every single game. I mean, Valtteri Pustin, again, we both love Valtteri Pustin, loved what he showed early. He needs to he needs to bounce his game back up or else he's going to face a similar fate to that of Redeem Zahorna, which brings us to that point. I mean, Redeem Zahorna pushed through waivers was not claimed, and was recently sent back to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. I think this was a long time coming. I mean, on the score sheet, he had one point in the last 18 games, but even if you were just watching it and were unaware of the points that he had scored, even if you had just watched his last game and said, yeah, that's how he's been playing at the level he's been playing over the last couple of times he's gotten into the lineup, you'd say, okay, it, it makes sense that they would try to go a different direction with Redeem Zahorna's lineup spot. Yep. Yeah, it was a long time coming almost, like you said. It's I felt like the nail was put in the coffin when he took a late penalty. I forget who it was against now. St. Louis. That St. Louis game, he took yeah. a late penalty, and that just felt like it was it. I, we, it. He went from taking in somewhere around, averaging about eight minutes a night, a little over maybe, uh, but taking in games of you know, 10, 12 minutes of ice time to 
bottoming bottoming out at almost you know just a little over three almost. It was like four something. Uh, dude's not getting the dude's not getting the ice time from Sullivan. He played eight shifts in that game that I'm thinking of. Um, it's just you, you. The writing was on the wall from the moment you see that number decline, 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 and like I said, playing multiple games under five minutes a game, it's less than ideal. It seemed like the boat that Valtteri Pustin was in for a little bit there, where his you saw his numbers start to drop and drop and drop until you know nothing really gave, and he's still getting fewer shifts than normal. But it was just with Sahorna in those minutes he was getting. Mm-hmm. wasn't good stuff. Like I said, took a late penalty at the wrong time, and that sealed it. Yeah, there was even a play, I believe he played, yeah. Uh, there was even a play on Monday. It's been so long since the Penguins actually played a game, it feels like. Even in that game he played Monday, he he just ran into one of the defenders. I think it was Ryan Graves in, in oh, the defensive yeah. zone. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, what what is going on between you two? Because at that instance, it's not Ryan Graves who's turning up the ice. I don't know where Zahorna was going or what he was looking at. He ran into Ryan Graves, and that might have been a, another nail in the coffin. That might be what Mike Sullivan and Kyle Dubas saw and said, "Yeah, this guy is uh, this guy is going to need some some more growth." I mean, I guess you can't really get much more growth from a 27 year old, 28 year old, but he's going to need to go back to the minors and re restart something, find something else because he doesn't have it at the NHL level. Ryan Shea called up in response for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That one makes a lot of sense as far as roster construction. The Penguins had West on a road trip. You would imagine that if you're going to have one extra player, whether that be on forward or defense, you're going to take the extra defenseman because you can't go into a game with five defensemen. That's just that's just suicide. Like That is a bad time waiting to happen. You can go into a game with 12 forward, seven defensemen. We've seen teams do it all the time. Um, so it makes sense to call up a defenseman. Ryan Shea has been that guy on the bubble all season long, so he gets called up in response. Any any ex- expectation that he gets into the lineup? I know P.O. Joseph has struggled, but any expectation that you see Ryan Shea, whether that be in Vegas or in Arizona? Man, I'll say it's possible. And the issue is, is like you said, P.O. Joseph has been, I don't want to say hot garbage this year, <laughs> but he hasn't been great. He hasn't he hasn't been his himself from what we saw last year. Um, and I mean, yeah, you make, when you send a guy down, you take the recall of a safety net almost in defense, but also a safety net that you just might use, mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, Ryan Shea, who came up and, you know, impressed enough to make the lineup. He's still looking for a point though, but I mean, you don't expect that kind of scoring from a third pairing guy, but, uh, sometimes you f- expect one or two to trickle in here and there, but for P.O. Joseph, like I said, he's hasn't been playing good this year. You know, it, 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 might, it might still be a long shot that Ryan Shea gets into the lineup, mm-hmm. but uh, all things considered, I'd say it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very possible. When looking at opportunity here, obviously we don't need to harp on Ryan Shea. I think there is a chance that he does get in the lineup, but I do think it is a slim chance. I think they're going to give P.O. Joseph as many chances as humanly possible to get his game back on the right track. This is a real opportunity for Colin White, and that's where I want to end this segment here. One game played this season at the NHL level. I didn't think he looked great against the Carolina Hurricanes, but then again, he didn't have a whole lot of ice time with the Pittsburgh Penguins trailing for the majority of that game. 15 points last year, 8 goals, 7 assists, and 68 games with the Florida Panthers. He was a fixture in their lineup en route to a Stanley Cup final appearance. He has a lot of versatility at forward. He plays left wing, right wing, and center, and he can play pretty much up and down your lineup. He showed, like I mentioned, that scoring touch when he was with the Ottawa Senators a while ago. He's looking to refine that game, but the one thing that he does do is he gives you a good two-way forward, somebody that's responsible in both zones, 
unlike a guy like Redeem Zahorna, who when he was struggling, he struggled in the defensive zone as well. At least you know you're getting some good defensive play from Colin White. He gets an opportunity here to at least play in the next couple of games, it seems. What do you think about Colin White? Because when I texted you about this, about Whitey getting the opportunity, you said, you know, I'm very excited to see what he has to bring. Yeah, I know you weren't super uh, huge on his first game against Carolina. I, I mean, wasn't. It, it's, you know, we were watching it on TV. It was kind of tougher, at least for me, to kind of dissect, you know, what he may have looked like on the ice. But that being said, um, he's a guy that has great NHL experience and was a fixture on uh, an unexpected Stanley Cup run. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe he won't, he probably won't bring that same sort of mentality or that same sort of, you know, success. But, <laughs> um, the guy deserves a little bit more runway than just a game and then taken out of the lineup just because yeah. Nolachari came back. The dude deserves a little bit of time in the lineup. I think, um, yeah, give the guy some runway. I'm excited to see what he can do. Just, I want to see it in per in person, but you know, that'll be hard to do out West, <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe he's able to make some noise for himself. Uh, it'll transfer through. Uh, I can't wait to stay up until, midnight trying to watch Colin White play hockey. Uh, 1 a.m. 1 a.m. looking through a, a glaze of coffee and <laughs> and closing eyes. But no, <laughs> Colin White, I mean, I, I'm interested because yeah. there's a couple players that I'm excited to see in this NHL lineup. We'll talk about them in the second segment. I think they've been playing really well at the AHL level and are getting closer to getting that opportunity at the NHL level. But Colin White's a player that was brought in on a PTO before the season started and a player that going into training camp, a lot of people said, OK, this is somebody that is in the thick of things like he was seen as being one of the top options. Hey, he could come in. He could earn a contract if he plays well because he was on that Stanley Cup final team last year. And it's not like he was a healthy scratch. I mean, a lot of people are banging the door for, for Phil Kessel, who was a healthy scratch throughout yeah. that Stanley Cup final. Colin White was playing in those games. And I understand the Florida Panthers didn't win at the end of the day. I don't think it was very close, honestly. It they was... shouldn't have made it out of the first round, though. Let's consider that. Nor should they have made it out of the second round. I mean, <clears throat> I don't remember Colin White's numbers, but he was on a team that made it three rounds further than they were supposed to. Yeah. I mean, he's somebody that brings a lot of the intangibles. He, yeah. he loves to check. He's a little bit more physical than a guy like Radib Zahorna. And like we mentioned, he's a two-way forward. And the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, if you could bring defense from the bottom six, that's what they're going to take. Because the way that the top six is playing right now and the way that Eric Carlson and Chris Letang are operating right now, if you keep a team under three goals, the Penguins are going to have a shot every single night. I mean, I get it. That's that's basically with every single team. But the Pittsburgh Penguins can win these games 4-3 to three at the level that Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, and honestly, Drew O'Connor are playing at this this point in time. And that's without a power play that is actually operating at a decent level. So bringing in a guy like Colin White, giving him an opportunity, I think it makes a whole lot of sense, especially because you only have so many options in this organization. You don't need to burn through some of these young guys. Yeah, Jonathan Gruden hasn't had a lot of NHL playing time. Yeah, Mark Johnstone came up for a cup of coffee against the Florida Panthers. But Colin White's a guy that got one game. He's an NHL veteran. He's experienced. He's played at this level time and time again, and he's been good when healthy at the AHL level. So I can see why you're giving him an opportunity at the NHL. There's a couple of guys I'm excited to see, but hey, maybe Colin White pans out, and you don't have to call upon these guys. You don't need these guys to hit every single time because right now, if the Pittsburgh Penguins try to call somebody up and, and two or three of these guys falter like Redeem Zahorna has, you're you're almost out of options. And you're almost forced to go out and make a trade, which is what, as we'll talk about, the Pittsburgh Penguins aren't really looking to do at this stage of the game. So I'm excited to see what Colin White can do. Hopefully he has some staying power at the NHL level, and hopefully he brings something that 
helps this lineup and, and maybe even jump starts the bottom six when it comes to scoring 15 points in 68 games doesn't give you a lot of hope that he's going to come in and start lighting the lamp or start facilitating for Lars Eller or Valtteri Pustin to light the lamp, but maybe his defensive awareness and his defensive abilities gives Valtteri Pustin a little bit more freedom to go out there and make an offensive play. Yeah, you just never know. It's maybe there's you know, that opening of the ice. And also Mike Sullivan always preaches that um, you know, getting your shot in the NHL, I know he's been there before and has done it for a yeah. long time, but uh, it's been a while. He had to work his way to this spot, getting that new opportunity um, you come in with a little bit more fire. So maybe call him like and cut when now that he's going to have a couple of games, it seems comes with a little more fire and brings a little more to the table. I mean, his first time in, he, he really didn't even know if he was playing that game. Really. Yeah. That's he wasn't true. on the initial roster. Um, it wasn't until after warmups that it was suddenly, Hey, you're going in. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, so this time around, he'll have you know, proper time to sort of prepare for, a, a game day almost to actually kind of be ready uh, mm -hmm. getting reps in on the third line, no less rather than fourth line center position. It's going to be um, a good jump for him. Yeah. And that's a good point that you mentioned that I, I neglect to remember all the time. That was the game that Nolachari was a late scratch and Colin White ended up going in. So maybe now that he has what, four days notice, maybe yeah. he'll be better prepared and he'll come out and he'll show a little bit of a stronger game than he did against the Carolina Hurricanes. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, two players at the AHL level that the Pittsburgh Penguins might count on down the stretch. They're starting to light it up down there for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. We'll discuss those two players after this break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We tease that two players at the AHL level have started to light it up in recent weeks, two players that could be pivotal for the Pittsburgh Penguins down the stretch, and that is the Killer Peas or the Pool Party or whatever wrestling faction name you want to give these two players. But Sam Poulain and Yessa Pouliarvi have been taking over at the AHL level over the past week. Poulain has goals, or had goals, I should say, in four straight games before last night's performance. Jessapool Yarvi in his last two games have put up three points, two of them being goals, and the third being a beautiful cross-ice assist to Ty Smith in a losing effort last night for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins against the Providence Bruins. Excuse me. So those two players perform a little bit better, certainly, when you look at Yesapul Yarvi, somebody come off a double hip surgery, the early returns weren't great, but he's starting to pick things up at the AHL level. It's listen. It, coming off of double hip surgery and about a half a season off, yeah. I I don't think we were. I don't think anyone was expecting him to go in game one and be like, oh, he looks back to normal. Oh, that's that just wasn't going to happen. I think um, saying his early returns weren't great uh, is lit next to nothing. Really, that was. Um, it is what it is. What were you expecting to see? That being said, it seems like now he here he is 
handful of games in. I still would expect him to be fully up to speed at this point. But uh, three points in a couple of games. That's not bad. It's a good that's a good um step in the right direction especially considering I mean you're looking he's looking to earn a spot. This isn't a guy that was already under contract and he's you know got his role. This is a guy looking to literally earn an entire deal in the NHL. Uh the Penguins are giving him the opportunity and he's you know it, it, it might still take time for more growth, but he's getting there and I mean hey, I like I said three points in the matter of was it is it five games? Uh, I think he's played five. Yeah, let me look, look that up. Yeah, I mean, three points in a matter of five or six games is already more than I would have expected coming off of a double hip surgery and literally half of a season off. He didn't have a training camp, didn't have a preseason, uh, and barely skated up until uh, joining the Penguins. Yeah, three points in six games for Yesapul Yarvi. Obviously, both of them coming in the previous two games. But I think when you look at him, it's going to be a touch-and-go process. Yeah. It's not going to be, hey, he scored in four straight games. Let's sign him to a contract and get him to the NHL, particularly because there is a guy in Sam Poulain that might be ahead of him in the list, and we'll get to that in a second. There is a guy in Colin White who, as we talked about in the last segment, is getting an opportunity here that they're going to give him a couple of games. So there's time for Yesapul Yarvi to play through this and to see how his hips react to playing in more and more games. I mean, there have been a couple of weekends since he's been down there that they've played games in three straight days, and he'd play the first day, take off the second day, and come back in the third day. So once he starts playing those back-to-back days like he did this week, you start to see how his hips are going to hold up and you start to see how he can start to hold up as time goes on so it's going to be a touch and go process it might be an up and down process as well and his performance might dip and come back up very volatile very with a lot of volatility excuse me because you know who's who's really sure of how he's going to respond at this time I mean this is the second time he's had this injury this is the second time he's had this surgery and it seems like an injury that he's going to deal with his entire career so obviously you have to monitor that but somebody else coming off of an injury this year was Sam Poulin. And as we mentioned before last night, goals in four straight games. He's certainly starting to play a major role for that Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins team. The question that I have for you, Horwat, and we can get as deep into this as you want, who's first on the Penguins call sheet right now? I mean, you can even go right now or just in general at at full health for both of them, but who do you think right now, if Colin White falters, which we're, not, we're hoping doesn't happen, we're hoping he turns into an everyday NHLer going forward, but if there's a spot open at the NHL roster, Who's first on the Penguins' call sheet, Sam Poulin or Yessa Pugliarvi? Of those two, I would have to say it's probably Sam Poulin. I'd say the fact that he has a contract might play the bigger factor um, because when it comes down to it, we don't know what Jesse Pugliarvi and his agent are looking for exactly. You know, whereas Sam Poulin, he's here, he's under contract, he's got his deal set, uh, and we are able. the Penguins are able to have that movement. Whereas with Pugliarvi, I think that contract might play a bigger role than we would think, uh, because let's say it's his. Let's say he is higher on the on the totem pole here, but doesn't have a deal, and the Penguins want to make that move. Well, suddenly you got to deal with an agent who might say, "Well, he's going with an NHL only deal. You're not mm-hmm. going to get a two way deal out of this guy. You're going to have to all of a sudden fire him through waivers if you want to send him back down. And if he performs well, which he seems to already be doing." Hey, that's a cheap deal that a team can just swoop right in for. Yeah. Um, so I would say Sam Poulin's going to be uh, a first call up out of these two. And plus, let's be real. I, I mean, we're still waiting for more returns from Paul Yarvey in terms of games played. How does he react to these games played? Can this be a consistent process? Uh, Poulin is back for goals and four straight. 
um, and has, you know, we obviously has an NHL experience that he can build off of. Mm-hmm. Boy, he doesn't, but Sam Poulin has been there before as well. It's time for him to make a process. Plus, I mean, going back to the beginning of the season, um, you know, Kyle Dubas said he's expecting Sam Poulin to be a regular NHL player at some point soon. Mm-hmm. Same thing about Pouliarvi pretty much, but, uh, you know, it's time to give people their dues. And while and while Pouliarvi is still growing in his role and his position, Sam Poulin might get a call first. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting concern that you have about the contract for Yessa Pouliarvi. I don't think that he can command too much. I mean, you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, if it's anything more than one and a half million, they probably can't put bring him up anyway. I mean, yeah. we have to obviously monitor the Riley Smith situation, and if he gets put on LTIR, which is something we'll learn later this week, but... I mean, you look at Yesapoyarvi, what can you command? Like, you're playing at the AHL level right now because you're trying to get back from a double hip surgery. Are you really going to be able to command, hey, I want a one-way deal? Or, I mean, one-way deal or two-way deal is... is Yeah, it's not here nor there. Yeah, it's neither here nor there on that one. But, like, he's going to have to go through waivers regardless. Yeah. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is going to be the cap hit and the years. And I don't think he's in a position to say, hey, I want a multi-year deal coming off of a, a rough season in Carolina where he was injured through most of the year. And you just don't know what level he's going to get to at the NHL level anymore. So while I do understand the concern and I understand bringing that to attention, I just don't think that he's going to command all that much. I think he's probably going to ask for something around the realm of like a million dollars for the remainder of the season or maybe league minimum the remainder of the season. That way he gets to walk into free agency showing something and, and knowing that he can go anywhere after this season. But I do th- agree with you that Sam Poulin's probably first on the call sheet simply because, one, you mentioned it. Kyle Dubas at the beginning of the season, I believe you asked the question yeah, about did, this, yeah. <laughs> that he was. He expects him to be an NHL player and at a pretty consistent level at some point soon. And and he alluded to the fact that that could be this season. Mm-hmm. I think that there's multiple occasions this year that he would have been called up. He would have been called up late last season as well, but he's been facing injuries. Last year, he missed time, and then he came back, and then he was injured. And at that point in time, the Penguins needed a call-up. They just couldn't call him up because he was injured. This season, early in the year, you look at when Vinny Henestrosa was called up. You look at when Redeem Zahorna was called up. You look at when J- they went back to Jansen Harkins after sending him down. Who was injured? Sam Poulin. I think he's much higher on the organization's depth chart than people give him credit for. I think there's a lot of people that are growing impatient with him. Obviously, as a first-round pick in 2019, there's a lot of people that are expecting more returns. That's just not how it works all the time for first-round picks. I think you see Sam Poulin certainly at some point this season, but I think you see him as one of the next few call-ups here getting his opportunity at the NHL level. Yeah, let's also not forget that while Sam Poulin was injured and getting rehabbed, he was doing that in Pittsburgh. He was doing that around the NHL guys. He had a stall in the locker room, which I, you don't normally see, right? Like yeah. that's not a that's not a regular occurrence. He had a stall in the Penguins locker room, not even in like their you know secondary locker room or in or like or one of the pull in stalls. He had a stall in the middle of the locker that was around everyone else. So. You know, he, there's some high expectations for him, and I think it's just a matter of getting fully healthy, con- continuing this trend, and it seems like his game is pretty much built ready for the NHL now. They wanted him to be able to play both sides. Um, I don't know what the defensive returns have looked like. That's got to be hard to find for, uh, <laughs> at the AHL level. That's got to be yeah. a, a near impossible task if you're not there watching every game to see what a, the defense from a forward looks like. Mm-hmm. But if the coaching staff and the management group believes that it is ready, I mean, 
you're not going to give him the call fresh out of, or you know, you're not going to give him the call while you're out west. That's a hell of a trip to make, especially whenever yeah. you have the personnel that can make it. Unless, barring injury, you'd expect Colin White. Like we said, you'd expect Colin White to play those two games. Um, coming out of the All-Star break, though, that could be a different story. You know, yeah. Let's say Poulain continues his good trend. I don't know what the Wilkes-Barre uh, schedule looks like. But if they're able, if he's able to continue that trend through the Penguins' bye week, through the All-Star break, um, and let's say Colin White fumbles the bag in these next four games, uh, and let's say Riley Smith isn't able to return right away because we still don't know where that stands, that could be a good little swap there. Colin White out, Sam Poulin in. Yeah, obviously you look at what the Pittsburgh Penguins have done with with both of these players, and they've said that both of them are defensive minded. They play; they're hard to play against, as Mike Sullivan likes to say. So I, I think both of them have a spot at this point at the NHL level. It's not waiting for them, but certainly one that is going to be on the way. I'm trying to look here at the Wilkes-Barre Scranton schedule. It's not easy to not navigate easy, their yeah. website, especially on the side of a podcast. But today would be January 18th. They have four, five, six games the remainder of this month. So they play more than the Pittsburgh Penguins do coming up the remainder of the month. So right. you look at that and you say, all right, if they can continue this performance, there's no reason why if both Pugliarvi and Poulin perform and Pustin and White struggle and Riley Smith is out, that you don't call both of them up. I mean, you look at the, the flexibility of a guy like Sam Poulin, you know, you've been mentioning all the time, you want Nolachari, on the, on the wing, and you want Lars Eller as the fourth-line center, if you can make it possible, if you can bring up somebody that fills the role that Lars Eller fill, is currently in, and Lars Eller's been perfectly fine as a third-line center. But when you're looking to try to make this team take the next step and move up from being a bubble team on the outside looking in to a top-three team in the Metro, if you can get Lars Eller as your fourth-line center, somebody who plays at a commensurate level at his third-line center spot, and Nolachari to the wing, you're going to do that. So maybe... Maybe if Sam Poulin continues his hot streak and becomes undeniable that he needs to be at the NHL level for a stretch, you bring him up and you put him at third-line center. You bump down Lars Eller, move over Nolachari. All of a sudden, it is Eller, Achari, and Carter as your fourth line, and you have Poulin, and maybe you call up Pugliarvi, and maybe you move Pustin over to the left. I don't know. This is all Poulin. Pugliarvi Pustin would be an interesting wow. third line. I feel bad for the, the I feel bad for the broadcast teams if that ends up being the Penguins' third line trying to call that. But suddenly it sounds great, and what and it also adds on to what I was but, mentioning earlier in the show. You got yeah. three scoring lines all of a sudden. Yeah, that would be tending towards an offensive line, but also Pulan and Pustin are or Pustin and Pugliarvi. I'm already struggling with it, and Pugliarvi are expected to have really good two way games. So you don't know. And again. We're getting way, way yes, ahead of ourselves with this because this is a one-week sample that both Poulin and Pugliarvi have been playing very well. Meanwhile, Pusinen's been struggling, so it might even be at his expense that one of these guys get called up. But, yeah, I mean, it certainly gives you options if these guys can continue to perform. And I think that's one thing that we have to look at is the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to hope that the internal options step up as far as as opposed to having to look outside the organization to bring in help in the bottom six. Yeah, and let's and let's not mention let's not forget to mention uh, that Riley Smith could be perfectly okay. And if we're rolling could with be. this, and if we're rolling with this third line that we just created in our minds and uh, giving broadcasters and writers heart palpitations trying to write that, <laughs> um, Riley Smith could be an ease 
uh, an easy piece to also slide in on the left side of that. You know, let's say Valtteri Poussin, like we said, isn't performing at his level. Suddenly you got Sam Poulin centering Jesse Pugliarvi and Riley Smith. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're in goofy land now. Like I said, welcome to, you know, mid to late January, all of February leading up to the trade deadline. Things are just going to get weird and goofy. It's just the way it is. Also, let's not forget that he doesn't have to sign a deal before then, but Jesse Pugliarvi, if he wants to play in the postseason with the Penguins, if that, you know, if that happens, would have to have a deal by the trade deadline. So decisions will be made quickly there as well. Yeah, I, w- I would believe that. I th- I mean, we-, we saw there's six games remaining in January. He's already played six. He only has 25 that he can play on a PTO with the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins. So I'd assume that there's at least 13 games in February for the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins. So he'd have to sign one anyway. But uh, you that's can also again. always just restart a PTO, though. That-, that 25 is just a limit, and then you can just sign another. Well... But you know, yeah, you're right. Interesting. I would so, I would doubt that they'd get to that point and be like, yeah, we're gonna sign you to another PTO. Like, yeah, that that it's rare, but I'm pretty sure you could just do it. Also, as you mentioned, they're not testing him out for next year. Like they're they're trying to get him up to speed and hoping that he can play for the Pittsburgh Penguins this season. So they're not gonna sign him to another PTO simply because the trade deadline would be a certain a couple days after that. And like you mentioned, they'd have to have him on the roster at least under contract to be able to be eligible for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that's, at the end of the day, that's what the Penguins want him for. They want him to come up and be an NHLer for this team. And and him and Poulain, they've played well, and we'll have to keep monitoring how they play at the AHL level, but certainly a nice week for those two. And it certainly gives a little bit of hope for Pittsburgh Penguins fans looking for some reinforcements coming from the AHL level. But we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, the Penguins, they might need those reinforcements because it seems as if they're not too keen on giving up assets at the trade deadline. We'll talk about that right after this break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. I keep thinking about that Triple P line or Poulin, Pouliarvi, Pustin in line. And, you know, first things first, Josh Getzoff, Steve Mears, they do a fantastic job. Trying to call those three weaving up the zone would probably, yeah, like you said, give them heart palpitations. I, I love it, though. Um, because putting the names aside, that's genuinely a line that, um, hell, let's say uh, RV sticks around into next season. That's a genuine line that could be rolled out uh, because those are that you don't think. I, I think oh, no, no, no. I, I think that at its best, yes, that would be a great third line. But I also think when do things work out like that? Oh, of course not. You play in God laughs, <laughs> as Elliot Friedman likes to say, and as we will get into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You mentioned Elliot Friedman there. Obviously, we'll get to what he said about the Pittsburgh Penguins and what he expects them to do at the NHL's trade deadline. But we have a listener question that'll lead right into that. Logan Rose on Twitter asked us. Wondering what you guys think of trying to go get a guy like Trevor Zegras from the Anaheim Ducks if he's on the market. I know cap and assets would be tough to manage, but why not go try and make a big splash to bring youth to the NHL lineup? Trevor Zegras has two years remaining on his current contract after this one, a $5.75 million salary cap hit, currently on the injured reserve and will be out for a while with a broken ankle. Uh, certain reports have said he's going to be out until just up until the NHL's trade deadline. He's 22 years old right now, still has a lot of lot of ways to go as far as his NHL journey. He has seven points this season in 20 games, but he is coming off of back-to-back 60-point seasons in his last two years as a 20 and 20 
21-year-old at the NHL level. There's no disputing the talent of Trevor Zegras. What I'm disputing is the fit with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes, the Pens would love to go out there and get a center at the age of 22 that could come in and be the one to or be maybe your third line center or maybe your second line center and you move Gino to a wing, that would be, you know, fantasy land stuff. But I just don't think the Penguins are in a position, as we'll t- get to, you know, Elliot Freeman agrees, I don't think the Penguins are in a position to get rid of that many assets to bring in a guy like Trevor Zegers at this stage of the game. Yeah, it's just it's just a tough move to work out. You mentioned the assets and the, uh, the salary cap already. Yeah, that, that would be... Obviously, the most difficult part, uh, but then just sliding him into this roster somewhere. Um, I again, like I said before, it is goofy season. It is the time to genuinely have you know, weird conversations like this, and I do enjoy always discussing the again, like I said, tr- tr- take all of our bad players for all of your good players. Yeah. That time of year, it is a ton of fun. And Trevor Zegers, I mean, I don't think we worry too much about fit because good players do good player things, and he'd find ways to work. Um, it is just a matter of the money and the need and the necessity. And right now, it just doesn't seem like the Penguins are necessarily in the need for a guy like Trevor Zegers at the moment. Give it a couple years, maybe, because mm. at that point, you are looking at a Malkin probably playing a third-line center role, maybe a wing. Who knows what happens with Crosby in a couple seasons. Maybe he's playing the 2C, and we need a top-line center. That's uh, a different bridge to cross at a different time. That injury also sticks its... You know, rears its ugly head for Trevor Zegers. I yeah. mean, let's not forget also that he's uh, expected to come back when you said like right around the, the trade deadline. deadline. Yeah, you know who else is expected to come back right around the trade deadline? I know this is not the uh, easy comparison, but Matt Nieto. So we the Penguins still have a guy on their roster that they're gonna have to try and figure out what to do with as well. Yeah. So you know, it just seems like there's also no space for Trevor Zegers on this lineup. Again, I love the idea. I again, don't hate. Who, yeah. Again, who wouldn't love the idea of, hey, you know, it's top name on the trade board. Go for him. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fantasy hockey. It's fantasy hockey saying, oh, well, if you just bring in Trevor Zegers and you put him at second line center, you move Malkin over, then you can move Drew O'Connor down, this, that, the other thing. Let's not forget the point that to make this trade, you'd probably have to gr- pull out the second BlackBerry on NHL 12. Like, you would have to be like, all right, we'll give you Riley Smith to make this work 5.75 to 5 million. We'll give you, a, it's probably a first round pick for Trevor Zegers because he's 22 years old and he has immense talent and he brings a lot to you off the ice as well. I mean, this is a guy that has found headline on headline on headline and usually in a positive light. But I, I just think that it, it is too much fantasy land. Like, yes. Does it make sense to bring in a 22-year-old, uber-talented center like Trevor Zegers that can also bump to wing? Yeah, certainly. If if he's available, yes, it would make sense for the Pittsburgh Penguins to want a guy like that and desire a guy like that. But even as you mentioned, Logan, you know, the cap, the assets, it's tough to manage even with the Pittsburgh Penguins if they were willing to say, hey, let's go all out for it. Let's trade assets. Let's let's put it all out there for this team. I don't think they're in a position to do that right now. As we mentioned, they're currently sitting outside of a playoff spot. By points percentage, they are in a playoff spot. But again, you're on that bubble right there. And I don't think they are one player away. And like we all mentioned, there are times you, you sell the farm and that trade still doesn't work. Let's not forget to go back and look at the Derek Broussard trade. That didn't work out for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They traded a lot of assets, including Philip Gustafson, who is a starting goaltender for the Minnesota Wild right now, to bring in a guy that 
what, played the remainder of that season in the first 20 games of the following season and didn't seem like he ever wanted to even be there. So, you know, as nice as it would be to have a guy as talented as Trevor Zegers, I just don't think that it fits what the Pittsburgh Penguins can do right now as far as price-wise, and I don't think that it fits in the realm of reality right now as those two teams coming together to make that deal. Yeah, it's just not in the... Not in the uh, realm of possibility. Again, you enjoy it. You like that idea. It's like I say every trade deadline. Hey, you know what? Jake Gensel's untouchable. Oh, wait, this year's a little different. This year's different. But going back in time, I would say, hey, Jake Gensel's pretty untouchable. We're offering you Connor McDavid. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. yeah so I mean, it's, it, it's it's fantasy land. It's a ton of fun. And I do, I guess, like, we'll, we'll never turn down an idea of discussing a guy like Trevor Zegers and what he might be able to bring to this team. Yeah. It just doesn't seem... The, the, the timing doesn't seem right. The... Uh, and situation doesn't seem correct either. I mean, listen, if the Ducks come up and say, hey, we'll give you Trevor Zegers because we just got a really good player in Cutter Gauthier. Hey. Trevor Zegers for Riley Smith, P.O. Joseph in a second round pick, I'd say, yeah. But again, that's all our bad assets for one of your best assets. And yeah. it just doesn't happen. And I, I think Pat Verbeek has done a really good job in Anaheim. And I don't think he's looking to blow it up by making that stupid of a deal. But, you know, it is a good thought. You know, Trevor Zegers coming to the Pittsburgh Penguins would certainly be a young player to build the next core around, but I just don't think that it's something that works out, particularly after hearing what Elliot Friedman had to say of 32 Thoughts and Sportsnet earlier this week, that he believes the Penguins will not be big players at the deadline at all. He said, quote, I think the Penguins are reluctant to be trading for short-term fixes, Friedman said, or their young assets and draft picks for guys that are a little bit older. I don't know if they think trading those things make any sense for them right now. Now, So yes, Zegers falls into, he's not an older player, and he certainly wouldn't be a short-term fix, as we mentioned, two years left on his contract, but he does fall into, it's going to take a lot of assets to acquire. So it seems as if, from Elliot Freeman's words, that the Pittsburgh Penguins are looking for younger players that are cheap, that have some term left on their contract. Now again, things might change between now and March 8th, but... It seems as if they're not looking for for older, experienced rentals, which is, for a lot of Penguins fans that don't want to see age on this team, something that they're probably happy to hear about. Yeah, I mean, consider all the moves they made last year. There was Nick Benito, good, good you know, bringing, bringing him home story, but also we knew he wasn't going to stick around. Dmitry Kulikov, that just seemed like a backup to missing out on Jacob Chikrin, but also knew he wasn't going to stick around. This time around, the Penguins are looking for guys that have some term essentially that's what it sounds like that are youthful and have some term um and can provide that that slims the list down of who they could mm -hmm. who they could get uh but if it's not term guys that you know they can they they believe that they can you know extend this offseason or something like that um so i i forget what jacob chicken's current deal looks like i know he's likely back out on the market and honestly someone the penguins should go after again I mean, the Penguins went after him last year. Kyle Dubas apparently went after him last year, so he it's did. welcome back to that. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how it goes. At Mark Andre Fleury might be on the market again. That one's not happening. I just wanted to toss that in. No. Um, I can't think of who else is even out there right now. It's it's a long list of names, and if they're looking for youth and some term, there are definitely possibilities out there. Yeah, and from what the way I read this is, they might make one move at the deadline. Yeah, that's the way I read this. Quiet, and of yeah. course, this is what is currently being reported. This is not gospel. This could change as early as Saturday night after the Penguins versus Vegas Golden Knights. Something really good or something really bad could happen, and it could change the entire trajectory and the entire thought process of Kyle Dubas in this year's NHL trade deadline. But as of right now, it seems like 
you know, and, and it echoes what Friedman says. It seems like the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to be sitting back and they're going to probably put the iron in the fire for a couple of young, talented players that are on the block. And if they don't get a price that they like, they're just not going to go for it. They're not going to overpay for somebody and they're not going to go out of their way to bring in somebody by expending these assets, by trading the very few top prospects that they have. I mean, who do they have? Owen Pickering, Sam Poulin, and Braden Yeager. And outside of that, who, like, outside of that, who? There's not very many players. I mean, maybe a Tristan Bros who's playing fairly decently at the NCAA level this season. I mean, there's not many players that the Pittsburgh Penguins have in their prospect pool. So if they're going to trade for somebody, it makes sense that it would have to be somebody that's younger and that kind of takes their spot in the prospect rankings or is at least a little bit further on, maybe a 23-year-old, 24-year-old that can be part of that next, you know, closing the gap between this contention window and the next. Yeah, it's, they'll see what they can pull off. It's, and those three prospects you mentioned, they probably don't want to part ways with. You know, they yeah, no. want to see what Owen Pickering can do on the blue line. You said before we started recording, uh, Braden Yerick could be in the NHL within a couple seasons. Yeah. Um, and we might see Sam Poulin within a week or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we could see Sam Poulin very soon. And, and to, to talk about the Jaeger thing a little bit, I think the way that you've seen him play this year, there's no way in my mind that he is... Over the, I think he could be in the NHL by the time he turns 21. He's what, 18 years old right now? 19 years old right now? There's no way in my eyes the way that he is performing right now. And then, of course, it is when looking at a prospect, when looking at this progression and this growth, it's not a straight line. But the way that he's progressed this season, it seems as if he should be in the NHL sooner rather than later, meaning maybe ne maybe not next year, maybe the year after he's an everyday NHLer, but it seems like he should be moving up that ladder rather quickly based on his performance at the WHL level. Now again, WHL is an offensive, 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 <laughs> offensive league. I can say it so many more times, but he's certainly impressing in that league, and I, I do think that he's going to move faster than a lot of the prospects that we've seen in recent years. Yeah, he will be. It's It'll be a quick growth for him. Um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, the rest of the deadline has in store. Again, they, they think they want to hold on to Gensel, but if the wheels fall off in the next couple of... Oh, the the All-Star break's already here, so... In the next couple of weeks. They have four yeah. games until the NHL All-Star break, but it, it sounds as if the Penguins are going to continue to primarily look within for answers. And that's something we talked about the majority of this episode. I mean, the, the pool party, we talked about Colin White getting an opportunity, Riley Smith coming back into things and seeing if he could pull a Ricard Raquel and look good. So it's going to be an intriguing six weeks leading up to the NHL's trade deadline. They have four games left until the all-star break. They'll have a, a bye week, then the all-star break. And then I think they have another week where they have very few games after that. And then it ramps up. So, you know, get, Get your breaks in right now because it is going to be hockey on every other night. Some people love that. Some people are going to get burnt out. But listen, we're going to be here through it all, dissecting it, talking about it at the tip of the iceberg at InsideThePenguins.com. So make sure you bookmark the website. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcast from because we're going to be talking Penguins hockey till the cows come home. And hopefully we're going to be talking about Penguins hockey well into May and maybe even the month of June as they continue to play games. That'd be that'd be nice, Horwat. We haven't done that since we started the podcast, so it'd be nice to uh, to have a run here for the Pittsburgh Penguins for us to sit back, enjoy, and talk some playoff hockey with our fun and engaging listeners. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.